0: This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3609, for Thursday, the 2nd of June, 2022. Today's show is entitled, Linux in Law's PSI, Operating System Level Virtualization and Martin's Faith. It is part of the series Linux in Laws. It is hosted by Monochromic and is about 54 minutes long. It carries an explicit flag. The summary is an in-depth discussion about jails, containers, religion and other sorts of confinement. This is Linux in laws. Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments, any minors under the age of 35, or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is Season 1, Episode... Fifty-seven, uh, I think.
1: Okay, sounds
0: good. Martin, what's your guess?
1: I'm going to tell 61, you it's fifty-seven. Maybe? Fifty-seven, yes, 69.
0: excellent. Yep. So, Martin, how are things, if this is fifty-seven really, as an episode of
1: Linux In-laws? Well, I don't think the episode number has anything to do with how things are, but <laughs> um, yes, things are okay here anyway. Can't say the same about everyone else, but where we see. are? How so are you? So,
0: little, little Britain still standing?
1: Uh standing, floating, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Okay, fair <laughs>
0: enough. Things are a little bit dire here because <laughs> with the war and stuff, and people getting mm-hmm. crazy about energy fuel and all the rest of it.
1: Well, yes, that there, there has been. It has been mentioned that, um, uh, well, your country is fueling a lot of it, but. Uh, by using the fuel or buying the fuel. anyway. Yes, I'm sure that's it's, being um, there reported. Is, yeah, There's a
0: school of thought and people were recording this kind of late March. There's a school of thought here in Germany, and this is where I'm currently recording this, that essentially that by buying gas and all and other fossil fuels, we are financing part of the war, which when you think of it makes sense. In terms of financing it, but rather basically providing the fuel that, what, what, that, that Martin was referring to. Mm. Not happy about it, neither are the ruling parties. And they're desperately kind of, um, how can I put this? Scrambling is probably the best word uh, to get out of this quickly. Trouble is, you can't.
1: Uh, no. No, you can't just kind of magic up some gas from somewhere, right?
0: But this is not a political podcast about wars or the current situation in Europe, but rather about open source technology. So, Martin, what's the crack tonight? To use a totally Irish expression.
1: Uh, Irish? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? C, Yes. Ah, not not C R A C K. Right. Okay.
0: No, that would be an illegal drug in most countries. <laughs> <laughs> Come to think of it, <laughs> all
1: right. Uh, yes. no,
0: sorry, sorry for the for the few non irish listeners uh, among the audience. Crack, as in C R A I FADA C in Ireland, refers to good times. What's up? As in, what's the crack? What have what have you been doing? What's happening? That sort of thing. Uh. Details maybe in the show notes or not. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Uh, Yes, so tonight's episode is all about... Learning Irish, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's
0: not about learning Irish. Although, Um, (laughs) many listeners may be tempted. Details certainly in that case will be in the show notes. Joe Crean, if you're listening to this episode... I'm only joking, anyway, it doesn't matter. uh, So is
1: is Irish a language, or is it Gaelic?
0: No, no, no. Okay. If you... Uh, If you had hope to listen to an open source podcast, people forget (laughs) about it. We are, this is season one, episode one of the Celtic Languages of Europe podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So let me educate Martin, my my cherished co-host, about the Celtic languages that have been spoken in Europe and to some extent are still spoken in Europe. Mm. Um, Essentially, as probably some listeners may know, the Celts. An ancient race of many peoples, mm. long gone, brought well, a couple of well, to a certain extent, let's put it this way, yeah. brought a couple of languages to Europe. In contrast to the Germanic family of uh, so, in contrast to the family of Germanic languages, and also Roman, Latin, Roman languages. Yeah, is, is that's yeah. what I'm looking for. As in Romanic languages. Sorry, yeah, that was, that, that was the term. Okay, so. Yeah, the Celtic language is essentially, still spoken today, are Irish, Scottish, monks being revived, Cornish oh. also being revived at the moment, and something called Breton.
1: What about Welsh? Plus Welsh, yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: Don't forget the Welsh. Yes. Uh, of course, Cornish being feverishly revived. Uh, there's a lot of money pre- being being born in Cornish at the moment because this is the latest addition to the, Gaelic, uh, to the Celtic languages, or family of languages rather, that, that have almost become extinct. But uh, fair enough. Some people decided that this is worth maintaining, so they put a little bit of money in it, and now you have... Quite a few people in Cornwall actually reviving the language, I think, which is which is good news. Mm. And of course, probably the two biggest parishes in terms of Celtic languages being spoken in in, in Europe would be Irish, as in the, the 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 Celtic dialects being spoken in Ireland, as in mostly the Republic. Of course, Northern Ireland inclu- included in certain parts of it, and also Scottish, I suppose. And next comes, I reckon, really Welsh. Yeah. What about Breton? Hmm. Very good. There is. What about Basque, Martin? Is that a Celtic language too? Um, Details and name of the show notes. I don't think
1: so. But because this is um, Spain, France region, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But you yeah. see, the,
0: the Celts had one important trait. They procreated the wherever cattle. they saw fit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that brings it to the that brings us nicely to the end that brings us to the end nicely of the first <laughs> episode of season one of the Celtic languages.
1: <laughs> yes. uh, how many episodes are there gonna be?
0: <laughs> we do not know. Okay, fair enough. People if you wanna if you have, if you wanna have more episodes like this, as in really short ones, please do send feedback to either feedback at Celtic <laughs> Or something called feedback at LinuxInl.eu. Yes. Both may both email addresses, especially the second one,
1: may work. Oh, surely we have a um a general catch all email.
0: Yes, that would be um Martin Visser as <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hero, hero.gov as in hero.government.
1: government. <laughs> Very good. Um so uh, anyway, yes. back
0: back to to back, back to, to today's topic, to today's topic. Yes. Yes. This Namely, topic. operating system virtualization, effectually Ooh. also effectually known as containers.
1: Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's not entirely strictly the best definition, is it? But yeah. so go ahead, Martin, enlighten us. Well, the container concept is exactly as um, the name implies. Uh, a thing to shove things in and move around, right? That's, um, so, so that's the whole kind of, let's call it the, the idea behind containers is that you can take it, uh, move it, run it anywhere. Um, it always has the same content. You don't have to, uh, and it's all self contained rather than relying on dependencies um, outside of the container. Uh, whereas uh, virtualization is more about yeah uh, making efficient use of resources. Excellent. Yeah. I think that, I brings
0: it, that brings us to the end of that episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening, people. What's your perspective? That's a rather short one, but we do like short episodes. Uh, yes. No, jokes aside. Yes, Martin, I think you have it spot on. The the, the the main difference like say between sorry the main difference between operating system virtualization and hardware virtu- virtualization is of course that the hardware virtualization essentially brings to the table a full operating system kernel. And this is the main difference between operating system virtualization, as the name implies, and hardware virtualization with operating system virtualization, each and every container, whatever you want to call it, or confinement is probably the best term to describe this in a a rather generic way, has its own so-called user land, as in libraries, applications, you name it. In contrast, hardware virtualization carries the burden, for want of a better expression, of a full-blown kernel running on top of a so-called hypervisor. Mm meaning that in addition to the the user land, also the kernel as such, as in itself, it's virtualized, including the hardware layer running beneath the kernel, because that's exactly one of the main functionalities of the hypervisor. To abstract away of the physical hardware and to provide the guest operating system, running these user lands with a virtualized view of the underlying hardware. That's exactly what hypervisors do, like Xen, KVM, VMware, you name it. In contrast to this, operating system virtualization has a common kernel upon which user lands run. So-called containers, jails, whatever you want to call it. The whole thing is not new. It goes back at least to early instantiations like BSD jails, Solaris zones. Yeah, I some,
1: Solaris zones. That was... Uh, exactly. what was that? Like like uh, 80s like eight, 80s or 90s, right? Yeah. yeah, 90s, early 2000s I think. Lines. Yeah. Details made in the show notes. <laughs> hmm. uh, but the thing is that
0: some people consider ChangeRoot actually to be the first instantiation of a minimal, let's put it this way, operating system virtualization in terms of change route essentially says, here's a directory tree. And with that directory tree, you have your own user land. So if you do a change route, give it a a path and then give it it an executable, the kernel will spawn that executable inside path, which better be a full-blown user land because otherwise you will have problems. No. Meaning, in that case, you have simply pivoted, for want of a better ex- expression, the root directory. That's the whole thing. Hmm. In I, contrast, I name, right? <laughs> exactly change root. That's the very thing. Uh, that's a very, that's a very, that's a very topic. In contrast to this, modern day containers bring to the table a little bit more if we stick if we stick to say the max of docker lxd uh, sorry lxc because oh. lxd is just an extension of Alex of, of lxc uh potman or any uh oci as an open container initiative complained AP, compliant api running on linux that normally avails of something called control groups and namespaces okay any ideas what these are
1: about? yeah i mean i have control groups there so usually referred to as c groups in, in, yes uh linux's admin terms um really about uh controlling the the resources again or setting limits around them. Uh, you can. I mean, it's if you think back to uh, something like Nice, um, you set a level of, of, of prioritization on your process. But you can do C groups. Is kind of taking that to the, the whole container idea. How I would describe it. That's, that's
0: exactly it. In combination, rather, with namespaces, yeah. they form the basic the basic infrastructure for containers because what namespaces essentially do in a Linux context, they create, as the name implies, a separate namespace. So that allows you to have more than one process with process identifier, also known as PID as in PID, one, two, three, four, leaving different namespaces. So control groups, as Martin rightly explained, essentially put a level of control about the res- uh, on the resource usage of a group of processes. Mm. And their namespaces take care of the logical separation between different sets of processes that are confined to, an, to, to a single namespace. So these are the two building blocks of modern containers in Linux. Meaning that and this is one of the advantages of say using system D, a process that does a double fork and details are in the show notes, frantically trying to get away from the TTY controlling it, cannot do so in a control group. That puts an extra level layer of control on the whole notion of a process group. Which of course makes administration of said control groups much easier because in previous days, especially before systemd and control groups, of course, if a process would do a double fork, uh, it would itself detach it from the controlling terminal and then it would, and then it would be free to do whatever it wanted, mm-hmm. especially if the user would log out controlling that terminal, the process would continue to live on. Now if you Now if you shut down a control group, all the processes attached to that control group are essentially gone.
1: Okay. Uh a question for you. So namespaces, then what, what can you separate with namespaces? Anything, including
0: next week's lotto numbers. So I'm Ooh, to that thanks. yes! <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Kids, for you out there listening, the command is a proper space C groups. <laughs> take a look <laughs> yourself. Yeah. No joke aside, they take uh, they take care of separating, essentially, or confining anything that is out there, memory, CPU slices, network tri- uh, network bandwidth, and all the rest of it. Equally important are namespaces. Uh, current Linux systems since 2.619, I think. Take care of mounting points, especially bind binding mount points. IPC Abstractions, network abstractions, of course, memory, CPU slices, or sorry, uh, not CPU slices, but rather, um, um, CPUs and, and such things. Meaning the, the combination of these two give you full, a full control and a full separation of user lands, because these essentially are the mechanisms that you need if you want to separate different execution environments for applications, also known
1: as user lands. Okay. So going back to the original question, <clears throat> or um, not question, but um, uh, background, what are the benefits of doing this compared More, to, say, yeah. that's, that's people you used to virtualize the hardware, right?
0: It, it's straight, exactly. It's straightforward. More jobs for system administrators.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good, that's a good point. Yeah. Fair enough. Are there still... Any people? other questions, Martin? <laughs> are, are there still such, a, such people around these days? Yes.
0: They're called DevOps sure. or DevSecOps or Ops people, yes.
1: Ah, okay. I thought Ops people were a dying breed. but they're, No, yes. they're not, Martin. No, they're no?
0: no, not really. No, jokes aside, of course, uh, that separation has a number of advantages, especially if you take a look at how to package applications. Button, if you take a look at your infrastructure, you have about what ten web servers driving the <laughs> the weapons shop huh about what five of uh, another five looking after the recreational drug thing no
1: could possibly comment
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> But if memory serves correctly, all of these, all of these, all of these websites have different app application infrastructure ecosystems behind them.
1: So they generally, do indeed. Yeah.
0: Yes, this is the point. Hmm. Whether websites or not, people is straightforward. If you take a look at any app stack that is out there at the moment, chances might be, especially if you're looking at pre-packaged things. You will have a requirement for Rust 1.48. You will have a requirement for Python 3.9.1. Then the pip packages come into uh, into play. You will have uh, Flask. You will have Pyramid. You will have uh, what's what I'm looking. Uh, what's the what's the other Python package I'm looking for? Definitely uh fast IPA, uh, fast IP, uh, exactly but they but depending on the app stack that uses them they will all depend on different versions same goes for rust now the thing is with rust you some you you do have cargo which is a package manager all the details listen to the previous episode with python you have things like virtual environments and some other abstractions but the thing is these Uh, mechanisms only go so far because if you want to package your apps you want to use an abstraction that allows these DevOps people, especially these Ops people, essentially to take a so-called image package, whatever you want to call it and simply deploy it. Pretty much like an operating system image that you install that has already applications packaged with with it. Yeah. And this is where containers come in. Essentially, with the likes of Docker, which is another favorite or famous container runtime environment, you get so-called images constructed by so-called Docker files. The following explanation explanation essentially uses Docker as just an example. Other container runtimes are, of course, possible. Essentially, if you take a Docker file, and then you let Docker build the corresponding image. What Docker, what Docker then does, it takes a base level operating system user, sorry, it takes a base level user land, let's put it this way, not operating system, but user land, and installs and packages the required components in that image. It then defines a starting point and typically a shell script or an init process or something comparable to an init process that starts up the user land, comparable to system D in modern Linux uh, environments. Then this startup script will take care of starting up the database, of starting up the app server, starting up the Python interpreter if we want to stick to Flask permit or Fast API. It may also start a reverse proxy, Nginx, Apache, whatever to ensure that HTTPS terminated, traffic goes the right way, and all the rest of it. So essentially, what the container does, it creates a user land with the specific applications, with the specific versions of these applications. And this is where the beauty of containers come in. Um, ready to roll, because essentially, once you once you create this image, on a container runtime now does, it takes this image and creates a user land. Transfers control to that user land, and then... The web server will start, the database server will start, uh, and any other middleware that is required for this app stack will start within the container. So at the end of the day, you will have a running application ecosystem, including the middleware and the container. The beauty now is that this user land has the exact versions that all of the components require. If you would do the, if you would do this in normal system good luck with the, with the resulting complexity mm-hmm. and that's exactly where containers feature uh, the and the benefits come in because if you create that image yeah, and then if you create a, if you subsequently create a container from this image you have exactly the specified environment for this abstract to to run in without interference from the outside this, this is, what, this is one of the main beauties of these isolated inverted commas user land
1: Oh, and the other way around as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Very good.
0: Needless to say, there are quite a few content runtimes out there. Docker is one of them. Cryo, which essentially is just the uh, essentially it's just a step-down version of Docker to the bare minimum. Potman, Podman, I already mentioned, and Containerd come to mind. Container probably yeah. the emer- container, probably being the emerging standard
1: here. Mm. Um, yeah, LXC is, is sort of that was uh, slowly being canonical uh, pushed LXE. it,
0: but yeah. yeah, it fell by the wayside. I'm I'm afraid with regards to deployment numbers, if current figures are anything to go by. So I reckon we should we should probably mention the OCI, no. OK. OCI. Oh, we have, we have
1: mentioned the OCI.
0: <laughs> yeah. OCI, if you're listening, the, uh, the email address is sponsor at u oh, Sending yeah. a mail to that email will get you further mentions. Sending cash based on an email that you sent to us will get you
1: beyond
0: mentions.
1: Just get in touch. Yeah, maybe we should get someone from the OCI on. Hmm. Hmm.
0: So that they can plug this properly. Yes.
1: Yeah,
0: OCI for listening. Excellent plan. All right. Um, feedback slash, spon- uh, slash sponsor at Linux so and you will do the trick nicely. We will guarantee you a speaking slot so that you can mm-hmm. plug the technology. And forget about the carbon. The Carbonitis hipsters. The OCI is essentially the place where it happens. The this rest is, is just yeah, <laughs> is <Carbinesis. laughs> Of course, as we all know, open OpenShift, and all the rest of it is pure marketing. The core is the important thing.
1: Okay. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, this is the end that's, of my prayer.
1: Let's not go there. Um, Why not? Okay.
0: <laughs> Just for the crack of it.
1: Well, we are hoping to get some Martin, you're not implying you're not not religious. I'm not replying I'm not religious.
0: This is tricky, (laughs) I know, but please answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you or are you not? I am not religious. What? Uh, Hang on.
0: Only half of your kid writes proprietary operating the systems, no? (laughs) So that makes you half religious. Okay, I get the point. (laughs) Yes, now, which part of you is religious then the left side <laughs> <laughs> yes, excellent choice <laughs> very good, and uh what are the details Martin <laughs> apart from Ubuntu
1: <laughs> sorry uh go on uh
0: the details about your religious left side ah, yes. Well,
1: you know this. This is all this,
0: okay. We already covered Ubuntu. Maybe hmm. communism. Maybe Fedora.
1: Fedora. No, nah, I, 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 uh, I never got on with Fedora.
0: Arch. Socialism.
1: Socialism. Socialism. Yeah, fine. Um, hmm.
0: Catholic, Catholic. Orthodox. Something like this.
1: No. <laughs> Sorry, of course you are Dutch. I am indeed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, there must be some Catholics in Holland. There. About uh, two, <laughs> maybe three. Uh, yeah, good question. Oh, no, 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 no! Wait, wait, wait! We have this island. Um, well, it used to be an island in the uh, what well, used to be uh, part of the sea in the middle of Holland, and all the people there are of some strange religion. That makes it five. Okay. Uh, well, it's a couple of thousand, maybe. But, uh, in the middle of the sea? What I said? It, it, it? The, 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 I don't know if you know the shape of, of um, the Netherlands, but. Yes, I do. There's, there's <laughs> a great big gap in the middle where there's a bunch of water. Yes. And that, that bunch of water used to be bigger, and there used to be islands in it, and then they connected the islands with the rest of the land, so they're no longer islands. But I um, thought you
0: sold them. Sold them?
1: Yes. No, I To the Anglo
0: Saxons. and no, 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 they later became
1: No, We just removed all the water and then we called the it land where people could live, which I is. I see, yeah, okay. Being a small country, we don't have enough land here.
0: And of course, the um, colonies are long gone, fair enough. <laughs> uh,
1: that's a good question.
0: Well, you hmm. see, the Netherlands had quite a few colonies, but. I'm just, I'm just trying to think, there might gone. be some,
1: some islands left somewhere that are. Like, oh.
0: Uh, Still under thought, Dutch rule? That would surprise me.
1: Yeah. Which ones? Uh, like Curacao, maybe. I
0: thought you sold that to the Americans.
1: No, that was New York. We um, sold that to the Americans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, Peter Servais never sold this. He
1: just lived there, Yeah, I, know. I think it was kind of well. No, it, it, it was swapped with uh, Suriname, but yeah, that uh, <coughs> it wasn't is... really a, a, a real this swap. you we shall have this and you shall have that kind of swap. This
0: is what I wouldn't consider to be a good deal, but that's my personal no, interpretation of the it matter.
1: It, it was it was um, classed as a swap, but it it clearly wasn't. It was more of a so if you swap. don't if you if you don't. Swap will just take it. Kind of so
0: the swap defaulted, essentially. Okay, got it. Uh, yes. As swaps normally do.
1: Yes, I wonder if there's any left now.
0: Hmm.
1: There might be some small islands here and there. But anyway. Um, well, this is the advantage of being connected to the sea, is so you can go places and um, just call them your own. Yes, Whereas people, being, if you Being have... landlocked, you do not have so
0: much opportunity yes. there. People, if you happen to listen uh, to listen and live on these islands, please Ooh. send emails oh, yes. for Martin's education <laughs> to feedback at Linux In so that Martin can um. finally get around to knowing what the crack is with with current with the concept of Netherlands, yeah. especially especially with regards to distribution. Uh, uh, sorry, especially with regards to geograf- geographical cool. distribution. As in the country where he's from originally. Hmm. Mm. Because apparently the British, oh, sorry, the English have brainwashed him to some extent. Which no, no, is okay. I just, I just
1: don't keep up with all these things. <laughs> it could be that Suriname became independent ages ago, right? I can't remember. It, so. Okay, Martin. So, yeah, 1975.
0: There you go. Let's see.
1: Yeah, do we know- we have, uh, I don't think we have any left now. Yeah. Too bad.
0: Do, but do you notice anything? We are slowly digressing.
1: We have digressed. Um, I'm not entirely sure why, but... uh...
0: Never mind. (laughs) Back to Um, the container thing, yes. Yes.
1: Container, yes. Where were we? Uh, Namespaces, C groups, we've done... Ah, Hi. so so what was the... The the advantages. ...that introduced these? Oh, yeah, advantages is what we're talking about. Yes. Hmm. What about the disadvantages? Complexity why you
0: need a, you need a container runtime
1: well, That's not complex is it
0: <laughs> well you need to you at least need to need to install and an additional package on your operating system in order to provide the container runtime yes
1: yes, yes.
0: and of course a tiny hmm.
1: performance overhead hmm well there, there was always a third one uh, which is why there was resistance from the uh, let's call it this is admins and what have you. Um is that um the way software used to be developed is that like everybody knew what was installed where and what it was doing, et cetera, et cetera. And with containers you just um the developers basically just do what they like and say just run this container. Um
0: And what's bad about this?
1: Loss well, of control?
0: Then, yes, the process admins, yeah. yeah.
1: This is loss of job, right? <laughs> not necessarily,
0: because somebody needs. Well,
1: he needs to install the container ex- demon. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> somebody needs an expert who can, who can kind of can can kind of can can, can control that container mayhem. Hmm. And now, a blatant teaser: uh, we will cover in the second part of this hmm. twenty-part episode on virtualization. I think maybe not. We will cover cover orchestration frameworks like like Kubernetes and all the rest of them. Mm. Um, But given the fact that containers like Linux won't go away anytime soon, um, somebody has to control them to deploy them to orchestrate them to scale them all the rest of it this is what you cannot do with these simple approaches to infrastructure like the OCI framework and all and, and similar and similar approaches mm-hmm. because you need an additional layer on top of that Best example if you have a couple of containers if you want to scale them up you have to do this one by one, manually, if you're not using something like Kubernetes or friends.
1: Well, well Meaning, it's, it's, yeah, it's not just scaling as well. It's, it's also if you run two, uh, the same containers, then how are you going to access them and what are they, the, ports and the routes into them? Right? Uh,
0: exactly. How do you, how, how do you define the network connectivity between hmm. them? How you define the, Scalability, scalability between the different entities and all the rest of it. And without going into the next episode too much, this is where frameworks like Kubernetes come in because Kubernetes provide an additional layer of, of, of abstraction from the individual containers right up to pods where pods actually define a set of containers hmm. and Kubernetes then will take care of Monitoring the health of these containers, making sure that if a container dies, it's going to be restarted. If you want to add additional infrastructure to your, to your, to your port, you scale this up. And there's just a simple command in Kubernetes, where if you wouldn't, if, if you want to do this manually, good luck with that. Because essentially you have to, you have to create new containers, you have to, uh, um provide additional resources to co- to these containers. Mm-hmm. You have to include them into in, in your network infrastructure and all the rest of it. So that's a very complex approach uh with doing it manually, in contrast to Kubernetes taking care of this for you more or less automatically. And this is where these additional kind of frameworks come in. But more on that actually in a in a future episode. Mm.
1: Indeed.
0: Anything else we should talk about container in, in the context of containers? Yeah, there are also these metal boxes that you can put um, on chips.
1: <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, no, no, th- I, I think just from a um, practicality point of view, and if you just ignore the, um, the 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 development of applications and the deployment of them. Um, there isn't sort of everyday advantage to containers, right? Where you can just uh, pull down a uh, a RabbitMQ container or a Postgres container or a redis container and just start using it without having to install a bunch of stuff and um, start using it straight away uh, because most software is will have a container image available um, on something like Docker Hub, etc. So.
0: That's that's exactly because of the fact that somebody else did the packaging for you. That's mm. exactly it. Yes. yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. But as a sort of practical result, it means that yeah, you have a uh, a much easier route to uh, running yes. things, um, excluding Big Blue Button. But yeah, that's a whole different story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe
0: one day. One day. Um, yes. Very much so, yes. Because if you want to take something for a spin, just to try it out, of course. Hmm. Uh, blatant plug. Um, for example, Redis, probably even being the best example. If you want to <laughs>
1: take At, uh, the, st- how, how is the uh, the, <laughs> the bot doing for <laughs> increasing the numbers? disclosure, yeah. I still happen to
0: work for Redis. Yes. <laughs> so did Martin before he defected. How <laughs> about that? <laughs> Okay. No jokes aside. Um, yeah. If you take a look at something called Redis modules, Redis modules essentially are server mm-hmm. extension that provide application level functionality to the native to a native nat- Redis instance. So essentially, you take another, you take an edit, you take a native Redis database, NoSQL instance, server instance mm-hmm. that is, and then you attach a JSON model. J- Redis turns into a document type database. If you attach Redis Redis Graph to Redis, um, (laughs) you turn Redis into an open software graph database. Hmm. If you load the time series module onto Redis, um, you essentially transform this NoSQL database into a time series database comparable within, within Flux and other time search databases. The trouble is, of course, that with each and every module, normally using the generic approach, you would have to take the native Redis instance, you have to pull down the source code of the module, and then you have to compile it. That's an additional layer of complexity on top of your native Redis deployment. And some modules require the server to be of a specific version or beyond. Of course, all of these modules have individual dependencies in terms of libraries that they're using and all the rest of it. So compiling this manually is a bit of an effort. Thing is that there is a container out there called I think Redis Mod, details maybe in the show notes, where that you simply pull down in terms of the image, pull down the image, and then you have a Redis server running inside the container with all of the modules. That Redis, the company, basically, has contributed. Uh, that's a major advantage of, in, co- uh, of uh, in contrast to kind of doing that yourself in terms of installing Redis natively and then compiling each and every module on your specific platform with the specific requirements that all of these modules require. So that's a yep. lot of... Effort save, to put it this way. And that's exactly, and I'm using just this Redis mod, container or image, as just one example. Hmm. Mongo, well,
1: it's, it's, uh, it's actually a, a good example because you touched upon another aspect of containers there, which Redis is very suited to uh, being ephemeral, right? Or stateless, or...
0: Most, exactly. If you, if you do not choose... Well, this is a Docker um detail, actually. If you do not tell Docker, otherwise, a container image, a, a container will be gone in terms hmm. of the memory uh, attached to a container, especially the file system, will be gone once you destroy the container. Unless you tell Docker, for example, to use a persistent volume, essentially amount points hmm. to the host operating system. Otherwise, hmm normally a docker container will be gone including any writes in terms of write operations that any of the uh, that any of the applications or processes rather to be more precise in the container did to the to the local, to the container local file system mm-hmm. this is what martin this is what uh, what martin means by ephemeral
1: indeed so yeah, which,
0: which is why the Redis was a good example. But, uh, exactly. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a straightforward way actually, just to take software that you want to try out for a spin, without having to install yep. a multitude of dependencies, worry about the versions of those dependencies and all the rest of it. You simply pull out the image in sensor, in a container, and then you're off to the races. You may have to map some ports, but that's as far as it goes.
1: Yeah, ports, volumes—it it depends, right? If you, what, what, what? Yes, come out, but yeah, yeah. Mm. Indeed.
0: Anything else that we should talk about that we have missed?
1: Oh, uh, I think that's probably a good introduction. No? Oh yeah, for for those people unfamiliar, <laughs> for the for the few people
0: working in a shipyard, yeah, a container. Yeah. A container is also metal po- a metal box that can put mm. stuff into and uh-huh. then put on a ship. Yes. Do you That's know what boxes they
1: come in, actually?
0: I think they're standardized. They're ISO yeah. containers, something about 200 feet long and <laughs> 15 <laughs> feet wide or something, and two inches high. <laughs> I might be wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah. Interesting way of shipping things, but yeah. This is
0: yes. where this. This is sorry. Full disclosure. This is where flat pack come, flat packs come in, Ooh. but that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> Details may people or may not be in the show notes. Of course, the hipsters among you listening, there might be a show on app images, flat packs, and snaps, or maybe not. Did we not do one? Yeah. Maybe you've done this and i just basically <laughs> forgetting things. Maybe. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, Decades yeah. maybe yeah. or may not be in may, the show. Not, yes. Um, on a final note, uh, is that why they call called Docker? What, what do you mean? For, well, you know what a Docker is, don't you?
0: A container on time? <laughs> <laughs> It may also have some shady meaning that, of course, that I'm not privy to. <laughs> no?
1: Well, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, all the analogies are just, um, around containers and ships. You mean
0: you mean a Docker meaning meaning somebody working on a dog at a dock on a dog in the yes, in and office. I don't mean yes.
1: uh, ladies of of uh, loose virtue. <laughs> <laughs> what um, Mark
0: refers to is. Dames of negotiable <laughs> affection. <Nice. laughs> Which and, are not and, dockers, and, of course. <laughs> because they do not dock. <laughs> Very important.
1: Indeed. Yeah.
0: Uh, yes, so there we go. Button, yes. And of course we should do mm. the pockets before oh, we... we
1: Yes. Okay. Go on and why don't you start? Um any any open any, any OCI
0: compliant Docker uh, sorry, any OCI compliant content runtime will do. Hmm. <laughs> no, jokes aside, I recently discovered that actually From Dusk till Dawn does have a TV series. Okay. As in the movies probably ring a bell.
1: Details of course no. on the show notes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Dust to Martin. That's a cult movie or oh, movie oh, the... franchise. Okay.
1: Don't miss fun. out.
0: Don't miss what out on the, the on, uh, on uh, first part. the genre? Um, true stories from the past.
1: Okay.
0: Subtitle: Why vampires are real.
1: Yes. Okay. Fair you right. can
0: <laughs> You you haven't seen the original movie called From Dust to Dawn? Are you serious?
1: I don't know. Um, this, this is Quentin Tarantino. Something from
0: Quentin. Quentin apparently wrote the script. But nineteen
1: twenty nineteen
0: twenty two came out. Apparently. No, 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 no. You're you no, no. You're talking about kind of late nineties, early two thousands, or something.
1: No, apparently the the original film was was nineteen twenty two. Uh, there we go. I'm um,
0: talking about the Mexican. <laughs> The Mexican titty Bar, built upon an ancient burial site, as a temple.
1: Okay, definitely not seen that. No,
0: <laughs> you must check it out, Martin. It's, <laughs> okay. it's. I mean, I mean, if you think that Reservoir Dogs or Perfection are great, mm. don't. I mean, you must check out From Dusk Till Dawn. Forget about the the, the sequel and forget about the third part. They are not important. But the original one is is the must see. Okay. Because okay, it's a little bit of a, of a splatter movie, but hmm. it's it it it, 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 it <laughs> has, <a> genre. <laughs> it, it, has, it, has Quentin, it has it has Quentin written all over it in terms of uh, the humor and stuff.
1: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. It's
0: almost as good as Pulp Fiction, right? And Excellent. there's a there's a spin-off in the shape of a TV series that is okay in terms of almost as good as the first installment of the franchise fair enough, fair and enough. what's your pox martin
1: my pox is uh yeah good question um i haven't really had much chance to
0: what about a proper cat six cabling especially yeah. being run underground.
1: Ah, yes. Oh, that's 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 not a recent one. That's, uh, I did that a couple of years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: but it's still holding up.
1: Yes, why not? Yeah.
0: Excellent, excellent. Hmm. So Martin's Pox of the Week would be good Dutch craftsman work, especially if done <laughs> in the former <laughs> UK.
1: That That's fair. Enough, yeah. As in
0: United Kingdom, of course, which is now just not even a kingdom, but that's another difference. Uh,
1: no, there would be a queendom, surely. Yeah, not a kingdom. Well, the is queendom? a queendom? Is, is, is there such a, such a thing as a queendom, I wonder? Well, there should be, because it's run by the queen, surely.
0: <laughs> but only for the last, what, 60 years, 70 years, something like this?
1: Ah, oh, there was a. Is it. Not, oh, this year is an anniversary, I think. Martin, you live there, I do not. <laughs> Uh, that, i got a fake recollection that we get an extra day off or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is how Martin remembers national Holidays.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a day off further. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it hasn't uh, happened yet. I think it's. Um... It will happen, okay. Sure, it's uh... sure this year when there's a. Uh, that's Platinum Jubilee, is it? Yes.
0: Martin, you live there, I do not. <laughs>
1: Platinum Jubilee. There we go. Hmm. Hmm. That's but like, it's important. Yes, yeah, hundred it years. It's important okay. enough to get a, to get a day off. Fair enough. <laughs> hmm. Now it's seventy years this year. Yeah. So rain. So
0: she's been powerful for the last seventy years. Okay. Hmm. Never mind. Although Many, she's not
1: doing too well recently. But there we go. Yeah.
0: Never mind. Members of her family defecting in one way or another. But that's a but that's a different story, of course. Hmm. Yes. Harry, Harry, if you're listening, <laughs> you know what I mean, right?
1: Uh, well, there was there was there was a president as well, a president, not the president, but the president. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the president um,
0: has affected too. Okay, I didn't know that you <laughs> had a president. But hey, what do I know?
1: No, the um, the other one uh, back in in the in the 30s who went on to marry a common American woman, uh, whatever his name was. Uh, I think that was before Queen Elizabeth II yes, was. took reign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he was well, basically also a defector with, who went to shack up with an American female. As you do,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a bit of a theme there. <laughs> <laughs> At if you want to get
0: in touch with us, the first consultation <laughs> is always free. <laughs> <laughs> the email address is um, MartinVisrekLinux.edu. <laughs> <laughs> one course. of your subjects might get back to you. <laughs> and hint, it's not me, no.
1: Yes, I guess I won't be getting a telegram. For a, yeah, for sure.
0: Probably not, no.
1: Uh,
0: okay, um, anything yes. else that we should... Yeah, of course, we should mention probably Hacker Public Radio.
1: Oh, yes. And if you're listening, um,
0: thank you for hosting us.
1: Hmm. hope you enjoyed the git episode and static. Mm, yeah, generating. that
0: was about four years ago, Ken. <laughs> but don't worry about it. <laughs> has, he, has he given up? Has he? <laughs> <laughs> no, sweat, no sweat, no sweat, no <laughs> sweat. Uh, can you find that episode actually in the back catalog. Don't worry about it. Okay, uh, with mm. that, I think that brings us Yep, to the end of the episode. People, thank you for listening and
1: speak to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: This is the Linux in-laws.
1: You come for the knowledge. But stay
0: for the madness. Thank,
1: thank you, you for, you for listening. listening.
0: This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share-alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Solid Margaret to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. you find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Jamando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs>
1: How come that's the bank holiday? Because it's the early May bank holiday. It what happens is that, uh, every what is every that? every year the first first Monday in May is the bank holiday. Why? Because it's May and people like to have a holiday. <laughs> um
0: a cunning uh, scheme, scheme to get procreation going in terms that, of that, more that, taxpayers. I
1: think <laughs> I think it was something to do with um with Labor Day in the past, but then it got been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com. The Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.